0: know that Formula One is a sport full of these outstandingly colourful characters. We've all heard about Bernie Eccleston. We've all heard about Flavio Briatore and the likes. But there are two characters in the world of Formula One and specifically from the Indian side of Formula One that we want to bring into action here today. Vijay Malia and Subrata Roy. Now, if you guys don't know about them and you want to know about them in depth, just watch the Bad Boy Billionaires documentary on Netflix. It kind of explains their companies, why they went bust. But to put it short, Vijay Malia probably the most flamboyant individual in all of India, let's put it that way, across history. Now, source of funds, yeah, all that, you can find that out. But his company went bust, his airline, Kingfisher, uh, which of course our guest Ravi was the marketing head of, was the most flamboyant <laughs> airline, as you would expect with Vijay Maliya. Yeah? Roy had uh, kind of like a Ponzi scheme company, but an official Ponzi scheme company that used to <laughs> uh, advertise with the Indian cricket team. They bought into the Force India F1 team as well. Long story short, they went bust. Big time. And things have gone sour. But it's not the going bust that we want to talk about, right? That you can find on endless news channels. But these characters, that is what we want to focus on. And I'll start with you on this one, Ravi. You actually worked with the UB group previously. You were the marketing head there. You were the marketing head of Kingfisher. You then became the marketing head of Four Senior. So you know Vijay Amalia very, very well. What is it like working with Vijay Amalia? Because for all of you folks who haven't seen him, he's this big big bulky guy who always has a cigar in hand, the most lovely beard, shaped perfectly, his hair is just in perfect fashion, and the most expensive suits and watches you can find. He's just like a typical billionaire. You
1: you missed uh, uh, one more aspect, which is uh, a continuous flow of glasses of wine, <laughs> along <laughs> with a cigar started? and everything else. Uh, oh. But, um, well, uh, you know, uh, a very colorful character indeed. But uh, I think on this episode, let me try and keep it as kosher as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think he was, uh, you know, had contrasting personalities. And mm-hmm. At one level, yes, indeed, he was very, very flamboyant and he loved to show it. And mm. That's what flamboyance is about. Uh, he was also a brilliant man. Mm. And, uh, you know, I have used to interact with him directly and had an opportunity to listen to what he used to say. He was also a great listener, as I said. Uh, I think he was a brilliant guy with an awesome vision. The way he built the airline and the vision he had about you know customer service uh and, and he chased that dream similarly he wanted uh something out of force india mm. uh, and he was very clear i want to be best of the rest and he and i think it's creditable that with the limited amount of money he had he
0: managed to do that uh, uh but yes he was a very interesting guy to work with and with Vijay Mallya, right, because when he buys out the team, there's this whole air of confusion in around India. Like, why does this guy need a Formula One team? Why well, doesn't he have enough of an airline? And what is this flamboyance? And what is this flashiness that goes around? In the same year, he also bought a cricket team. He also kind of expanded the airline. And you were right there at the center of it. Just just the whole atmosphere around Vijay Mallya. Can you call it just turbulent at all times? Uh, you know when when he actually actually i'm
1: going to say this about his uh, mm-hmm. f1 team mm-hmm. uh as opposed to the airline mm-hmm. uh he's been passionate about uh motorsport ever since he was a kid mm. uh and and you know he's he's raced in various kind of cars even regular passenger exactly. cars right in sholavaram etc. Right? Yes. Yes. yes 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 absolutely so that's one thing that he's pursued from a very young age and mm. i think uh, this was a Culmination of that Passion And then dream Hmm. So I wouldn't Actually to be fair to him And you know We all tend to sort of Gauge people With different lenses But insofar as Force India is concerned It's something that He's been passionate about As a sport From very very young Hmm. The airline I think Was um, Hubris (laughs) Uh, And and, uh, You know uh, at the best of times airlines don't make too much money uh, <laughs> right uh, and and of course cricket was again something which mm. uh he probably believed that there's a story around that and I think uh, over the last few years uh, it's proved itself that IPL has has become the benchmark even uh, uh, you know for uh, young cricketers to make it to the national team
0: yeah that's true, yes. that's true. But Kunal, here's a question for you. Uh, speaking of the cricket team, he wants to move a manager because they didn't quite let him bid for the player that he wanted. Of course, in, in an IPL team, you work endlessly, tirelessly to form the strategy that this is the batter we need, this is the bowler we need. Auction dynamics come in, so we need to spend X amount of money. But Amalia doesn't do that. Uh, he, uh, uh, you, can, you can call him, let's say, a man of his own will and, and you earn that when you've got that much kind of money. Isn't is that a bit of a scary boss to work with? Knowing that okay, he could just well be on his own mood. He would he would like to do what he wanted, and so that kind of makes any
2: plan that you make a bit vulnerable to to to, to be successful in a way. I'll I'll actually say it adds to the challenge because. Mm-hmm he not just had the money, he had the vision and the wisdom hmm. behind doing things. So he wasn't one of those billionaires in a toy market saying, I want to buy that and I'll play for it, you know, play with it for a couple of days or a couple of years and move on. Hmm. He always had a vision behind things. And in fact, while working at a Formula One team, you know, there are lots of billionaires and we have two very contrasting billionaires we're <laughs> going to talk about. Sahara, you know, subroto Rai Sahara and Vijay Malia. Vijay Malia, like Ravi said, a great listener, even more i would say he was he, his memory skills if you were to make him play a memory game he'll beat anyone and mm. i still remember we were on the yacht the indian empress in monaco party was going on. We were having a board meeting, okay, of sorts. And and he actually said, I remember four years ago, we got this, we bought this. It was st- stored in the basement at Silverstone. Mm. Huh? How did you guys not remember it? And I'm like, okay, wow. And the value of what he was talking of was some couple of thousand euros and not a couple of tens and hundreds of thousands of euros, less than 10,000 euros, if I remember. Mm. But that was the kind of preparation he would always be in. So... You know, whether you met him at four in the morning or four in the afternoon, you had to bring your best to the conversation because he always had a much larger vision behind doing those things. And, you know, even with regards to, like I explained, every UB Group company paying to a rate card Mm -hmm. rather than an emotional thing. Oh, it's my boss's team. Just give me a bigger logo. That rate card came into help when the whole Sahara deal was happening. And maybe we could just sort of, you know, talk a little bit about the merger Mm -hmm. because, The conversation started, you know, seven, eight months before the signing actually happened. And that's where, you know, I think we should talk about the cultural differences that that were there within the team. (laughs) And, of course, in the global context as well, you know. And... uh, Like, for example, I remember Subrotha Roy said, for running two teams, do you need such a large setup? I thought you'll have like a couple of garages doing things and Uh not quote unquote, but, you know, within uh, within the realm of such ideologies is what people came with. And Ravi and I were, you know, directly involved when the whole Force India-Sahara merger happened, the buy-in happened. The, the logos got created, mm. you know, and and so on. And it was, a, of course, a nightmare, a great experience for us to now bank upon. Mm. But at that time, it was a nightmare because there was on one hand, a boss who was focused on, you know, everything that was happening with regards to performance. And on the other hand, there was a man who just wanted all the visibility for, you know, the, the company that he was representing.
1: Well, absolutely. And I think... Uh, if I were to sort of start by summing it up, here was one billionaire boss co-owner hmm. uh, who was looking for glory on the track hmm. for the Force India team. And here was another billionaire co-owner who was looking for personal glory, right? <laughs> and then glory for Sahara uh, as a name. And I think this reflected at various levels, uh, you know, whether it's the, uh, you know, driver overalls where the, the logo had to be of a certain size. In fact, so much so, uh, Kunal, you would remember. Uh, he he wanted the name of the team to be officially changed. And, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it would appear, appear as uh, Force India F1, uh, right? Correct. Uh, and, and he says, why
2: on earth can't we get that change to Sahara Force India? And that's the, the chassis name. The right? chassis name. That's the name. chassis yeah. name, yes. Because, uh, like we've seen, Lotus Renault was registered as Renault, you know, Lo- Team Lotus and yeah. various things. In fact, that chassis name was a big you know source of concern for him because the team can be called whatever whatever forcing india f1 Aston team not, not us Formula yeah one there team. you go yeah but the <laughs> chassis name is what he wanted it changed and that involves a buy in from various other teams and so on as well and that became a big big bone of contention in fact i remember in the build up the discussion was only about, and of course, when I say only, I am now biased with a memory bias here, was how <laughs> big will the Sahara logo be, right? And whether it was the Force India logo turning into a Sahara Force India logo, or the logo being visible on the car and, and so on, and the the buyout deal included title partnership rights with the Saharas right because mm-hmm. you could have two bosses who'll say we'll co on the team but tell the sponsorship team mm. to go and sell title sponsorship right you don't have to have Sahara Force India it could still be called Force India and you know sell a title sponsorship elsewhere and the the deal of course came with visibility of the Force in of the Sahara logo and I still remember uh, this I was tasked upon getting a livery approval because every year we were designing liveries and uh, that was a big task of uh, you know our team because we've seen how team livery launches and reveals are so big, and that's a big talking point in the off season. And I still remember the I was tasked upon getting the livery approved with the sponsor logos from Subroto Roy. I remember meeting him at the Sahara Hotel in Mumbai, the whatever mm. it's called now, Star. Star the Star. Sahara Star. Star Hotel in Mumbai, and. I rem- we had, you know, 3D cutouts of cars and drawings and stuff because it's a visual uh, approval that we need. Small question. How how further is this away from the actual launch? Like what month are we looking at, basically? So I'll, I'll put two metrics to this. Okay. A regular Formula One team mm-hmm. is probably a few weeks or a month or two months before. Okay. For the Force India Formula One team, it was maybe two days before, or maybe sometimes (laughs) two hours before. And I'm not putting anyone down. I'm just saying that was the uh, decision-making metrics, uh, you know, the decision-making resistance we used to find because one boss, like Ravi said, glory on the track, I don't care about a logo. The other boss was saying, if you don't care about it, give me the biggest logo that I want. And including making it black. And
1: finally, uh, VJM had to tell him that, no, 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 that's a bad omen. We can't have... (laughs)
2: Really? <laughs> yes. VJM had this Guruji who of course wanted certain pantone shades only on the car and the logo and and the like. So it was eventually dark gray. And in
0: 2014 they had a black car. I mean you oh, yes. have a black
2: car? yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. The Guruji must have changed his mind. <laughs> we'll continue with the launch story. So what yeah. happened there? So I was tasked saying get this approved and you know we were looking at a side view of the car which is what we all see during the the launch and the side pods, as we know, mm-hmm. one of the biggest aerodynamic elements on the car was curved, you know, as, as they always are curved. And as a result, the Sahara logo was also curved, right? And he looked at everything and, you know, made a f- couple of grumpy faces, if I remember, <laughs> uh, took a pencil and started drawing on an engineering drawing sheet. And he said, make this flat, and this <gasps> being the side pod, And he said, oh. tell the engineers, make this flat. I need the Sahara logo to look proper from the side. It can't be this curvy angle thing. And I was just thinking to myself, I said, oh, my God, that <laughs> is one of the most expensive piece of design that the engineers have worked on through the course of the off season." And here's one of the bosses saying, make it flat. So just cultural differences that oh sort of God. came in. And, you know, on contrastingly, I have seen VJM sit in discussions with Andy Stevenson, Sporting Director. Otmar, of course, you know, uh, back then he was Deputy Team Principal. He was then COO. COO. And then, of course, Robert Fernley. And I was sitting, uh, you know, we've sat through conversations where they were literally discussing race strategy. They were discussing, I remember there was this race when Paul De Resta had qualified in the top 10, but half a kilogram of weight was less. And VJM was able to advise, and I'm talking in full sanity, he was able to advise how the team should approach and you know speak to the FI about something going wrong etc which is what came to memory when something similar happened to Sebastian Vettel uh, in 2021 at one of the races he had a Hungary. podium in Hungary right so just just uh, giving an example of how Whoa. contrastingly different you know uh, the you know the the two bosses were and we should maybe share some stories of the actual announcement oh. of the the merger as well because we knew of the merger happening the saharas had visited the, you know the factory at northamptonshire several weeks several months before logos and stuff were approved but we were just not told if the contract agreeing on the on the on joint ownership was signed and this is when media was actually waiting in a hotel in delhi waiting for the official announcement right we had planned everything the show cars were there the logo reveals etc cetera, etc cetera, was all there but we were like do we even go ahead with the announcement? And I remember at some point at the back of my mind, I was like, what is my escape route? Because people, oh. of course, wouldn't go and ask, you know, uh, them, them being, you know, VJM and Roy, I all are announcing something. Yeah. And this was several hours of wait. And I was like, okay, anybody being asked, it's Ravi and me and then uh, the PR team that, you know, we were working with. So just culturally so different. One didn't want to make a move on the other about, you know, who's sort of going to go first and agree. And, yeah, I think I think just you, you guys want to know more about it just ping me because it's going into yeah, much depth otherwise wow that is, that and is ridiculous
1: and this cultural difference reflected at every point I mean you know logos and sideboards at one level finally when it was the, the inaugural Indian GP uh, on one hand it was it was you know race weekend and it was about you know trying to get the best performance for one co-owner hmm. and for the other co-owner it was about the Bollywood glamour and the paddock club and his guests whom he was going invite and I think those four days were perhaps the busiest
0: for us ever in October 11 I can imagine but uh, speaking of October 11 I saw a picture online that just surfaced up uh, on my timeline where Sergio Perez and Kamiko Bayashi were doing a puja of their Sauber F1 car turns out They were not the only people who did it. (laughs) What was that whole whole thing
2: about? We Uh, broke coconuts? Yes, we had coconuts. (laughs) Are
0: you kidding me? There was
2: a colleague of ours, TVL, TV Lakshmi Kant, and he works out of the UK. Every race, there used to be a coconut ceremony, which is, of course, auspicious in India. It's easy Hmm. to laugh about it. And, you know, everybody brings their own... Uh, superstitions in life, hmm. much like several drivers have said, you know, I wear the same underpants through the whole weekend or somebody says, I put my left leg in the car before hmm. I step in. So one of VGM's, uh, you know, uh, things that, you know, was that so superstitions was that a puja or a rite or, you know, some ceremony has to be done before the cars go out and race on a Sunday. So various such, uh, you know, Whoa, quirky man. moments we've sort of had had in life. And you know, like Ravi said, there was one boss focused on track and the other one was focused so much on the imagery and and the whole paddock club, five-star, seven-star experiences that sort of came along with Somal. It's ridiculous. And just one last
0: thing I have to discuss about them on the glamour side. The Indian Empress, the yacht, the one that apparently had the, the golden washroom, did it? Not? <laughs> I, I, I heard about it. That's one thing I was actually about to ask so many people, but hey, that's beyond the point. But Just how crazy was it with them at Monaco? Because that's like the spiritual home of these billionaires. Indeed. Just just the whole experience of being around them and maybe having the chance to conduct a board meeting over there. Was there any work that happened at Monaco at all. <laughs> so here, here's
1: interestingly, uh, I uh, 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 VJM used to organize a season opening and a season closing party every year around the Monaco Grand Prix. Okay. Uh, from the time I was there, it was only uh, a, you know one party mm. down from two to one, and I used to organize that, uh, you know, along with Kunal and everybody else. Uh, so it it was quite fascinating because you're sitting here in India and trying to plan. A party in Monaco, mm. uh, right? Two, three, four months before, uh, with catering happening from England. You're kidding me, right? Uh, and that one evening of a party, which usually started at eight at 8 p.m. and ended at 4 a.m., would cost 120,000 euro.
2: What? <laughs> Absolutely, that must be pocket change for for VJM, but that's. <laughs> I must add, so I never cared about the parties, but I had to, right? He knew that. <laughs> of course, VJM didn't. So the only year the party really hurt was, I think, 2013, when VJM and I wouldn't say VJM, sorry, but Kingfisher Airlines had defaulted mm. on making payments or uh, salary payments to employees. Oh, my or, God. Yes. I can imagine. So there was, on one hand, uh, you know, he'd, of course, defaulted on salary payments, but on the other hand, 120 thousand euros was spent in you know, a few hours just organizing the the party. And that's when you used to be like, wow, this is unfair Mm -hmm. to all of us or everybody who was impacted by whatever was happening at that time.
0: Uh, Wasn't that the same time where there was this big luxury party that happened in Goa and the entire Indian media just jumped upon it saying, hey, you're bankrupt, but what's going on over here? But that's beyond the point, right? Let's just close this off on a really fun note. If there's just one thing that stands out about both Vijay Malia and Subrothu Roy, just what would it be about them? Ah. Uh, but if a spot question, you can tell this wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> but still. I think uh, flamboyance hmm. uh, for Malia. And for Subruthu?
1: Uh
0: Wondering too many, maybe? Is that the word we're looking for? <laughs> Possibly, <laughs> yes,
2: yes. <laughs> what about you, Kunal? What do you reckon? I would say with Malia, it was his sharpness. Mm. You know, I have been in several meetings not related to Formula One as well with him. And you would know that he would have the pulse of the conversation. He would know what question to ask you, Mm. even if he didn't know you, even if he didn't know what sort of business you were in. And to give you an example, Mobile One was the sponsor of the one from A Billion Hunt and the president of operations, Mm. literally the guy who probably went on to become the CEO, flew down specifically when we announced the one from A Billion Hunt. We were all in this room and everyone was, how's the weather and how was your flight and so Mm -hmm. on. And VJM comes and asks him one hard question about the business. Of course, I don't remember the question, but I was like, oh, my God, this man has just walked in. No niceties, no pleasantries, nothing. Straight one question, you know, about Mobile One's business. And, you know, I could sense that the the guest that was there during the announcement was also like smartly taken aback. And like Mm. you just put Ravi and me in the spot asking about, you know, the one thing. So his sharpness really stood out for me. And For Subroth Roy, it's actually tough to pinpoint one adjective, but it was probably scattered, if that's the word, (laughs) you know. Uh, Again, nothing personal. I have great memories, fun memories, funny memories, like I said, of him and his team, but just doing too many things at the same time and not really having the focus on it, and that probably Mm. just impacted, you know, what was... I think it started off as a great dream run because, like I said, two of the biggest... Private investors in in sport and the way it could have been, and I remember there was a time there was a listing of UV Sports that was being discussed because there were so many yeah. sporting entities and stuff. So what could have been is uh, is uh, always you know going to be a question, but we were definitely more hopeful than sitting in a studio talking about the memories ah. of how those times <laughs> were.
0: That's so true. But seriously, what could have been? Well, that's a question we leave you guys on, Ravi. Thank you so much for taking out the time to join us here today. It's been amazing having you on, having you on for the course of the last three episodes. Really loved it.
1: Thank you, and it's been very humbling for me to uh, be on this show. Thank you very much, Somal and
2: Kunal. Thank you, thank you guys, and thank you, Somal, for being an ever uh, please ever pleasant host, and you know bringing out all these memories that you know we're we're going to live with for the rest of time.
0: Well, it's so much fun to do this right but folks I hope that you had fun listening to these episodes and I say these because there are two other episodes that you must listen to before this well in case you like them leave a good rating on them subscribe to the podcast share this with your friends and family members I don't have to tell you all this stuff you've been on the internet for 10 years or more do that good stuff and see you for another few sets of episodes and also a regular season coverage for the Formula 1 2022 F1 season see you folks thank you for watching thank you for listening bye bye